Hello and welcome to the Bremner Boulevard Sports Podcast. I am Donald Higney, always here with my co-host Trevor Popoff. Trevor, how are you doing this afternoon? Well, I bit my lip yesterday and it really hurt. And it, like, like my cheek, when I was eating a nectarine, I just clamped down on my cheek so my lip hurts. But other than that, I'm vibing. I don't think we've had an intro that great before, so <laughs> I'm really glad that you shared that. And welcome, welcome to the get, welcome to the pod, Mike. Part of our three-part series about baseball, basketball, hockey, had to complete the trifecta, you know, collect all the infinity stones. So, Mike, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, boys. Appreciate it. We're so excited to have you here because we have established on this podcast many times that Trevor and I are pretty novice when it comes to hockey. That's <laughs> a great shame as Canadians. It's just not great. So we need to have the hockey doctor, the hockey expert <laughs> on to kind of guide us through and make sense of all the news going on in the NHL right now. I'll try to help you out with a thing or two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so first, the first bit of news that I guess we should cover is probably the most pertinent to the Leafs. Uh, the Seattle Kraken in the expansion draft taking Jared McCann. A lot of people upset from that. I heard a lot of people saying it should have been Kerfoot. How, how do you feel about that move? I thought that move could have gone either way. I think the Leafs getting McCann, like they fleeced to the Penguins just getting him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was a good move because it was insurance. I mean, you, either way, you're going to lose one of the two. And it's an insurance policy so that, you know, if you're going to lose one, at least you have the other. Because um, they weren't going to play on the same roster next year no matter what. I don't know. I like I like Kerfoot. I really do. He really showed up in the playoffs. But I mean, that doesn't really change for the fact that he has struggled in his seasons in Toronto and he hasn't, you know, he's better off at winger than being a third line center. But given the Leafs' depth, that's where they're putting him. And I I mean, like, I like him a lot, but I, like I would have liked to see maybe a little change with McCann. It would have been cool, a little more defensively responsible. Um, but I mean, either or whether one of them was picked or not, I'm like, at least they had an insurance policy. Like I, I still like Alex Kerfoot. I don't think he's crap. I still like Jared McCann. I would have liked him on the team, but it's, it's okay. I think it was a good move all around. Uh, yeah. And then the Leafs also lost a couple other players too um, in free agency, Frederick Anderson, obviously Zach Hyman. How much what, what, do you think like Anderson, this is, this is something that I want to ask because this hits me weird. Like as, as a complete casual of this team that, Freddie is just kind of gone like that with no like real big hullabaloo about it. Was his departure inevitable to you? Yeah, I don't think he was going to stay, unfortunately, just with the, with their money situation, the cap situation. It was, the writing was basically on the wall going into this year that this was going to be Freddie's last year, unless he kind of proved it. Hmm. And, you know, to no fault, like, to know to not to not his fault but uh you know he he dealt with some pretty bad injuries this year you can't fault them goalies you know are very important players and they get some some pretty tough injuries especially in that groin area and and the legs and stuff like that and jack campbell just kind of took over and he played very well so um yeah it is sad freddie was part of you know signing freddie anderson was essentially like at the start of this big rebuild, like when, when the tide started to turn, you got Freddie Anderson, you got Austin Matthews, you got all these guys coming in basically at the same, same time on this team. And they're a very close team in the way they showed it, a very tight knit group of guys. So Freddie 
left a big mark in Toronto. He carried the team to the playoffs it's at points. He carried them in the playoffs at points. But, uh, I mean, he struggled even when he played. He struggled, and, you know, the writing was on the wall for, for Jack Campbell to take over. And then they got their 1A, 1B tandem going with him and Peter Mrazek. So we'll see how that goes. But um, I will miss Freddie. I will miss Freddie for sure. But, you know, it's the business of the game. Hmm. And then and then moving kind of to Hyman, that one's more – unexpected i guess and and how do you feel like the whole that he leaves in the roster is going to affect the team next year and also how do you feel about that contract in edmonton because i know that was getting some news as well yeah that was also a big one with zach hyman zach hyman wanted more money and he wanted a lot more term and it just it wouldn't be feasible for the leaves to sign him to like seven years because the guy's already like 29 so it, it isn't feasible. I mean, he's he was he's a great player. He's a great guy. He he did a lot for the community down here because he is a Toronto boy. Um, but for him, you know, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't you know, especially the kind of crash and bang player he is. He's just such a he, like he's not the skill guy, but he's the one that's getting down and deep and, and you know getting forechecking hard and uh, you know those players you know they're the ones doing the most kind of damage on their bodies, especially he's dealt with some injuries before. So yeah, I wish him the best in, in Edmonton, but it, it's, it's another sad thing to, to see him go. But I mean, at least the, you know, the roster is starting to take shape for what it's going to be next year. A couple things to still address maybe, but um, yeah. Uh, I want to jump in. I got a couple of points. I want to, I want to go back to Freddie really quick. Something that you said that was really interesting to me and something that I've noticed is I felt like when he was like the one A goaltender for the Leafs, it felt like by the time they got to the playoffs that he was burnt out, that he kind of extended his load of like goaltending capabilities. So it, from that from that perspective, it's really unfortunate in the sense that it's an unfortunate way for his time to kind of run out like that and for him to leave and go to Carolina. And it's kind of interesting that we get Carolina's goalie. It's kind of like switching the goalies. I was listening to 31 Thoughts. And something that was really interesting to me is Elliot Friedman said that Jack Campbell and Peter Morazic both had this amazing tendency that like if they are benched for a significant amount of time that they still come in ready to play. You know, with some goalies, it's kind of, you know, you need that warming up period. You need that adjustment period. But with Morazic and Campbell, that's kind of an interesting thing that I'm going to be looking at that if one of them sits for an extended period of games, you know, mm. how the other one's going to play, like what the adjustment period is like. And to Hyman really quick, it's it sucks to see him go, especially as a Toronto guy. You really hate seeing Toronto guys who play for the Maple Leafs go to other teams. But if he wants more term, then it, it's completely understandable from his point of view. Something that we've talked about, I saw a tweet. I forget who said it. It wasn't a reporter, but it was something along the lines of like, you can find a Zach Hyman somewhere. You can find a guy who brings the energy of Zach Hyman, but you need – you know, your Austin Matthews is, your Mitch Marners, those guys to kind of play and have the intensity and care in the same way that Zach Hyman cares. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting next year. I mean, they made some signings. They made, they got guys like um, Michael Bunting. Uh, well, I'm blanking right now, but, um, and obviously Peter Morazic, Nick Ritchie was a great signing from Boston. Um but that's all they can really do right now. I mean, just look at some depth guys to kind of plug the lineup and uh, see what they can do. I mean, they don't have a lot of money to work with to start this free agency. 
and you know they address their goalie situation. I hope it works out. Peter Mrazek is not a bad player. I mean, he's been there against the Leafs and he's showed up. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting roster. Every every year there's turnover, but we'll see how it is this year. Yeah, you yeah, mentioned we'll- some of those new guys um, like Bunting, Mrazek, Richie. Who do you kind of feel like is going to have the biggest impact out of the new signings uh, for the Leafs this year? Who's going to have the biggest impact on the team? Yeah. I think it's going to be interesting to see the team playing out of that Canadian division again, to tell you the truth. That's what has me both excited and both worried for how they play. I mean, they're going to be back in the Atlantic division that has Tampa Bay, that has Boston, um, Florida, Buffalo. But like, um, they're also going to be playing in that East division again. They're going to be playing against, you know, those teams like the Rangers, the Islanders, the Capitals. They're going to be, you know, it's, you're going to be fully immersed from what was, and I will still continue to say it to this day, a subpar Canadian division. There was no defense in that division. If they were playing against American teams this year, they wouldn't have done the way they wouldn't have gone as they wouldn't have done as well in the regular season as they would have done because obviously they're god awful in the playoffs. But uh, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. You know, Austin Matthews took a huge step in his development this year, um, being a top goal scorer in the NHL. But I think it'll be interesting to see him. You know, doing that now on defensively competent teams, and as the team kind of has to get back into the groove of you know, we're not just flying from Toronto to Winnipeg or Toronto to Ottawa. We're flying to like California. We're flying to Florida. We're flying to Texas. Like, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting with how they do with a new traveling schedule and getting used to playing American teams as their, as their top players continue to blossom, continue to develop. Another thing that was really interesting to me when I was listening to 31 Thoughts, because they just ran through like all the free agency moves for each team. Oh, yeah, it's those just, guys are the best. They're competitors, but they're the best. They're, they're great. Um, this Curtis Gabriel signing is really interesting to me in the sense that... What about that one? Yeah, you're right. So obviously San Jose is kind of in the bottom third of the league. You know, they're kind of rebuilding, getting that they're process. Terrible. Go- they're terrible. Getting that process again, starting to become a competitive team, trying to go in that direction. I think Curtis Gabriel is really interesting because they made the point that in the 82 in an 82 game regular season, as hard as it is like physically and like maintaining injuries and trying to like mitigate that to the playoffs. It's also hard emotionally that you have to kind of temper yourself and like look at the games and like eight to 10 like game chunks. It's like, okay, this is who we have coming up for the next 10 games. Like we got to focus on that. And Curtis Gabriel is a guy that really fits into that system that can kind of put things into perspective. So I think that's a really interesting signing. I don't know like what role he really plays from like a stylistically kind of standpoint, but I think having those kind of like emotional sound guys on a team can really help. Like we've had, we've had guys like that on the team before. I think it's just going to be really interesting to see. Like I said, I don't really know how he plays out in actual, like on the ice, but having those guys, having those good presence in the locker room guys, like, you can't have enough of them. I I, I feel terrible because I did completely forget about the Curtis Gabriel signing, but he's a great player. He's um, he's not going to be the skill guy at all. He's going to be on a fourth line, maybe maxing out on a third line role, and he is a brute. Like, he's big, and he will throw his gloves off and just beat you to a pulp if he has to. And, yeah, he's a real big team guy. Uh, one thing I forgot is that, you know, his message of advocacy, especially for – um, pride and 
LGBTQ plus rights is huge uh, on, on and off the ice. He's just, he's coming into this and he's said it in quotes that he's coming into this, you know, with a big perspective in the sense that he's from, well, he's from Newmarket, but obviously it's not far away from here. And, you know, now that he's going to be on a bigger stage, now that he's going to be in front of bigger lights, his message can be pushed more. And he's excited to be joining a locker room like the Leafs. And it'll be interesting. I'm very excited to see him play because, you know, for the last few years, the Leafs have had their qualms, whether, you know, up until this year, they had crap defense. Um, they had up until already really this year that they had a, uh, a soft roster that can push them around or that can have like, you know, other teams could push you around. And they really went to address that this year. Um, their defense was much better this year. It was really good this year, I think. And their forwards were, you know, there was some sandpaper there, but they tried to plug it with like too much with veterans. Like you can only get so much out of Jason's or, well, not Jason's best. He's the best, but you can, you can only get so much out of Joe Thornton and, um, Wayne Simmons when they're slow as all hell at least Curtis Gabriel you know who doesn't have much foot speed is is a younger version of those guys who can probably be a little more competent skating wise so uh yeah I it'll be he has worked his bag off to get to the point where he is he was passed over the draft twice so like you said character guys that that boy worked his butt off to get to the NHL and you know that that's important for a team that needs that kind of mentality when you're dealing with prima donnas and stuff like that on that team that I'm sorry, just kick Mitch Marner into shape. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) No. So you talked about how they filled that goalie position. You talked about how they fill the character position. Are there any more moves or, or roles on this team that you'd like to see the Leafs address in in the coming weeks? Not really. And the reason being is just because they have like a, no money to work with. They have like a million dollars that they can use in LTIR, but I mean, they, they did what they could to get to, to fix that fourth line center role. I mean, it's going to be a fight between Adam Brooks out of camp. Same with um, Nick Robertson. He's going to be fighting for a position out of camp as well. On top of having guys like Michael Bunting, Uh, you know, I'm very interested to see who they're going to throw on that top line left wing. Um, whether it's Matthews and and Marner or uh, JT and Nylander, who is going to be that guy that they're going to throw on that top line to be, you know, the puck collector, to be the the, the four checker so that they can get the puck. Because you need guys like that for Matthews and Marner, even though they got to play with tenacity as well. Like, you know, you have a forward like that for a reason. So I don't know who that's going to be, whether it's – I don't think that's going to be bunting. Um, I don't know. I, I I think he's a good player, but I mean, now that he has a, a better situation on a better team than friggin' Arizona Coyotes, um, Andre Kasha was a good signing from Boston. I think that'll be that, you know, uh, there's no shortage of depth on this team now. Nick Ritchie, um, David Kampf, it'll be interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think that's my only concern that they got to figure out who that, like, they have to have a plan for who the heck is going to be next to Austin Matthews and next to. Mitch Marner next to JT and next to Nylander crashing the boards to get that puck to them. That's the most important thing. Uh, other than that, I guess, no, it's, this is, this is what they're going to look like this year. So I think that's enough Leafs talk. Let's kind of move to like the general NHL and what's going on. Um, so obviously the expansion draft has happened like over two weeks ago, but something that was really big, that was important at the time that the Canadians didn't protect Carey Price and they kind of wanted to see if the Kraken would bite at him 
Were you surprised that they didn't take Carey Price just considering what he did this playoff series or this Stanley Cup run, even though they didn't win? The Habs are going to suck this year. You're going to hear it from me. And no, I didn't buy into this whole Canada's team narrative. Stop it. <laughs> but Carey Price, what he did was just vintage Carey Price. It was magical. This guy is a monster when it comes to the playoffs. He, he can suck. He can be terrible in the regular season. But then as soon as the next calendar day hits and you're in the playoffs, he's just so dialed in and he's so good. It was an interesting move. It was very interesting because if I was Seattle, I would not have taken him at all because $10.5 million, oof. So that's a very big price tag for a goalie that is inconsistent in the regular season and they're not going to be a playoff team anytime soon. They're going to have to do a couple things to be a playoff team. Um, Seattle Kraken are not going to be the next Vegas Golden Knights at all with that roster. I, it's just not happening. Vegas already had a one in a million chance with what they pulled off. But no, I think, you know, it was a smart move by Bergevin if he had the absolute confidence that Se- that Seattle was not going to take him. Because think about it, 10 and a half million, uh, and they needed to protect because they had a great backup goalie in Jake Allen. So for Carey Price to waive it, they had to have some serious balls to play that game because apparently it went down to the wire. Apparently Seattle was like, dude, Carey Price is available and an expansion draft. So it was, it was like, you know, what, what are, uh, they, they really weighed their options on it. But then ultimately, you know, when you sign Chris Drieger to three and a half million dollars, are you, do you really want to be an expansion team that has $14 million tied up in just two goalies alone? So, yeah, I mean, their general manager, Ron Francis, was a great player. He knows what he's doing. And I think, you know, he's he stated that he thinks the most valuable thing that they could have as a team is cap space. So it came down to the wire, but I didn't think they would have picked him, and they didn't. And I think that was the right move. I mean, they ended up getting Grubauer or whatever's going on with this contract right now. But that would have been – that wow. Like, I, I can't believe that Mark Bergman had the – balls to 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 pull that off to you know potentially end an era the carry price era with just a simple expansion draft that would have been fireable and i mean there's a bunch of things this offseason that can be considered fireable from the montreal canadians perspective we're not gonna dig into them but you know <laughs> there's stuff there's stuff floating around in the ether they gotta that. sort things out <laughs> Yeah, they got, let's just say if you have a statement prepared after a draft pick, that's probably not a great sign. Anywho, I'm glad you brought up the Kraken really quick. Obviously, they signed Grubauer, but I was on the train this morning and I got a Bleacher Report notification of ranking all 32 teams. I didn't check it out, but in the but in the subtitles they got, they already got the Kraken ahead of the Sabres, which brings me to a point that I want to talk about. What's going on with Jack Eichel? Why hasn't he been traded yet? Uh, that's a good one. I mean, I'm waiting on Jack Eichel to go to, to my Rangers and not anywhere else. I think it's just, it's really messy with Buffalo. Buffalo is, you know, they're on a completely different page with what they want to do with Eichel. Eichel wants out of there. He's not in the city. He wants out. He wants to have a new opportunity and I don't blame him. Buffalo sucks, but, um, Buffalo is just not biting or actively, working with teams to try and get these deals done. Um, You know, 
we waited for the draft, thought a trade was going to happen in the draft. We waited, uh, and you know, there has been no shortage of action and trades in the last two weeks. So you'd expect an Eichel trade would be sprinkled in there, and they're like, nope. But um, it's just been, you know, they've just, they're, Buffalo hasn't been aggressive enough, in tra- and other teams, you know, are leveraging because they're like, your star wants out of there. But everyone else is not offering up nearly what Jack Eichel is worth. I thought, for example, the Rangers would have dangled on top of obviously a first, a second, uh, a, a good prospect like Nils Lundqvist and um, an, a roster player like Buchnevich. I thought that would have been a great, a, a great package until they got rid of Buchnevich. And I was very pissed off about that. But um, I, I just, yeah, I think, you know, especially with the kind of page, they're not on the right page with the agents. The agents are like, dude, when are you going to trade the guy? Hurry up. Um, he needs to be traded so that he can get his surgery so he can play next year because that's what he's waiting for. And that's what a big disconnect between Buffalo and him, his camp are that he has to get a, a surgery for a herniated disc. And they're like, no, don't do that. Just rehab it. And that would take apparently a lot longer. But again, this process hasn't been done on an NHL player. So they're like, we don't want you to do that and risk your career because you need to play for us. And then he's like, but no, dude, I don't want to play for you. <laughs> so as you can tell, this is just a mess of a situation. And the agents are like, dude, hurry up and trade him. And they're like, okay, we're trying, but no one is giving us what we want, but we don't want to be aggressive enough about it. So only so much you can do, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. And from one mess of the situation to another, what is going on with the Vander Kane right now? Because I think this is like one of the one of the most fascinating stories. Like we haven't had a good like sports gambling story on this podcast yet. And it feels like a very like, 1920s thing to talk about like the chicago black Sox and stuff <laughs> but like he denies it his ex-wife alleged it what what are your what are your thoughts on this dude that's one this is one of the messiest situations i've seen in a long time i think evander chain is uh is a gambler he's a party animal um and that's been noted and it's been noted that he's you know in the locker room He's been through a number of teams for a reason, whether it started off his young career in Winnipeg and he, him and his tracksuit are getting thrown in, into a shower by Dustin Bufflin. Um, the Buffalo trade, they're trying to sell him off, and now apparently it's not working out in San Jose in that room. And it's just, wow, like what is going on? Though when I, when I checked social media and saw that on Twitter and saw that on Instagram, I'm like, dude, this is wild. Like you're like, first off, I mean, I think it's very dangerous to have these allegations public because, you know, they're talking about a guy that is noted for his da- his uh, his gambling, his addiction to gambling. Gambling is a very serious addiction. And he, I mean, he went bankrupt last year. How do you make millions of dollars in the NHL, millions of dollars where your agents aren't just, you know, not only are they taking a cut, but your agents are making sure that you're putting your money into retirement, into savings and all that stuff because, Face it, you're a hockey player. You're not a freaking educated businessman or whatever. So they're planning for you to, you know, <clears throat> leave the game of hockey and still have a good life. This guy's not going to have a dime to his name by the time this is all over because he's just gambling and gambling, whether he's in Europe as apparently he is now ditching his family or he's in Vegas. And I think it's just the NHL is not going to do anything about it because it's the NHL. Um, but, you know, it, it, these allegations are just 
wild. This, how do you not have a, a cent to your name? And meanwhile, apparently you're in Europe with your ex-girlfriend is, is the allegations here. His wife is just losing it. Um, and you just, you got to feel more for the kids, right? The unborn kid, the daughter, um, that's the biggest one you got to feel for, especially in just something as serious as this. I won't say whether or not I like, I think these are real. I think it's definitely a possibility, but you know, I don't know to what extent with everything she's saying, she's saying some wild things on social media, accusing him of some insanity. But I mean, I just think this has got to be like investigative investigated that like something has to be done because this is just wild. The more public it gets, the worse it looks on the league, the worse. I don't know how this guy's going to play again ever, but just, just wild. Like I've never seen a story like this. Yeah. I feel the same way about it. It's just, it's such a out of left field story. It's, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's almost like something you expect out of like some like Italian soccer league or something like somebody (laughs) like throwing a game, but Man, it, it, it's certainly going to be a story to follow. For I will say story. one thing. I <clears throat> I know they accuse him of, uh, she is accusing him of apparently throwing games and stuff like that. He's a, he's a, he's a winger and he's not a defensive player. I don't think he can throw games on his own. If he was a goalie or if he was a ref, I'd understand <laughs> that. But, you know, I think it's a little hard when you're a winger to throw, unless you're like blatantly giving up passes, then the NHL would be all over him for that. But mm. I, I don't, I don't really know how a winger like him could throw a game. Yeah. It's a tough, it's a tough call to throw a hockey game, man. You gotta, yeah. you gotta be working pretty hard to do that by yourself. Oh yeah. I'm so glad you also like brought up the kids and like thinking of the kids in this situation. It's not even just the, like the gambling accusations and what's going on. They're going through a divorce of Andrew Kane and his wife. If they're not already divorced now, it like a divorce makes everything a lot more complicated. Oh yeah. And I'm not saying like a divorce is like influencing this decision or these accusations, but it's also just something to keep in mind of. It's just like, you have to hope that all parties involved, like get the help and the support that they need because this is just such a tough situation to go through and kind of deal with. And for it to be publicized, is just, oof, <laughs> dude, some serious questions are being raised here and some serious, you got to seriously look in the mirror and start figuring this out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. For sure. Bringing it back now to, to on ice stuff. What do you kind of see as, as the biggest move of free agency as far league wide? I think there are a couple winners, a couple of teams that made some very important moves. I think first and foremost, the Devils, despite the fact that I hate New Jersey, because I'm a New York guy, they got Dougie Hamilton. They got their guy in Dougie Hamilton, and that's just a crazy swing for the fence um, and a great move. Uh, very makes their depth chart that much better ever since they got Ryan Graves in there and Luke Hughes eventually coming through the system. So I think um, New Jersey made off like bandits getting him seven years, $9 million. That that was a great move by them. The Tampa Bay Lightning, who everyone thinks is cheating, but you know what? Maybe you should look at the rules of the game over how they're managing to do it and stop crying about it because I see way too many people on Twitter crying about it. The Tampa Bay Lightning managed to, um, you know, they were going to lose a guy like Yanni Gord and, and Tyler Johnson, and they did, but they still managed to sign – Braden point to a nine and a half million cap hit. And that's like 
very important because he's such an important part of the team. What Tampa manages to do is just so smart. They managed to barter and get set uh, Brent Seabrook's contracts that they have even more long-term injury space to move with their, that like they made out like bandits, um, even though they still lost significant player, like significant name players. It's just crazy to me that they're always going to be competitive. Uh, Colorado locked up Kiel McCarr, re-signed Gabriel Landis-Cog, lost uh, Philip Grubauer, but they made up for it with two big signings, especially Kiel McCarr. That's your goalie of the future. So I think um, they're definitely they did, they did really well on that aspect, especially replacing with Darcy Kemper. Darcy Kemper is still a great goalie, and I think now that he's in a better situation, he'll improve. I think the Oilers are just doing Oilers things. I don't get why they re-signed Tyson Berry, why they signed Cody Cece, and why they got rid of Ethan Bear for Warren Fogle. Like, their D-chart their D just looks awful. Like, Edmonton is just weird. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what Ken Holland is doing, especially a guy that is a respected GM. They... I don't know what they're doing. I, it, the time is going to come within a year, I think, that McDavid and Dreisaitl are going to be on a non-competitive team and they're going to request those trades because I don't know what they're doing. They're not getting any forwards that they need. They're not getting any depth scoring. They're just still relying on the McDavid-Dreisaitl show and apparently they think Tyson Berry is the solution to that. So, uh, And a very big overpayment, don't forget, for Zach Hyman. Zach Hyman will be great, but he's also expensive for a very long time. <laughs> um and then Vegas. Vegas is something I haven't brought up yet, but Vegas is just uh, I really like them when they came into the league. I've really liked them as of late, but they've made some really really weird moves by picking Nolan Patrick out of kind of desperation and shipping off Cody Glass and bringing in a guy like Evgeny Dadanov. That's weird. But the worst part is how they got rid of Marc-Andre Fleury for nothing without even telling him. A guy that has been the face of the franchise since they before they even played a single freaking game. And to disrespect a first ballot Hall of Famer um, who still has years to go, who just won a goalie of the year Vesna Trophy at his age is, you know, that's a, that's a kick in the pants. That's just not right. That's so... That's disrespect. I, on the other side, I don't know what what Chicago's doing. They traded their future. It looked like a basketball trade with how many picks were were sent over to Chicago, but you know to sign Seth Jones, whose father's a former professional basketball player. Go figure. And to a former Raptors player too, Popeye. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But for nine and a half million, that's a weird one. Uh, I don't know what they're doing, shipping off Boquist and all that, and then taking Flurry. They're trying to do something in a rebuild that you're not supposed to do and take on huge contracts on the go. But yeah, I guess that's my spiel on like the winners and losers of of this this free agency. This is th- here's one thing. I think this has been very entertaining. You don't see entertainment like this in the league anymore. So I'm excited to see, you know, some moves finally happening. I'm sure Adam or Alex would say the same thing. It's just it's been it's always been quiet off seasons, quiet deadlines lately, but these last two weeks has been everything a hockey fan wants. That's I'm so I'm really happy about that because just considering from a basketball guy, like basketball is just like pure, you know, you know, the warnings that you get in like on certain music videos about like yeah. 
ADHD stuff, like like lights going everywhere and all that stuff. That's what it's been like with hockey this time. And I'm like, I'm actually really glad to see. And it was like with baseball earlier this week with their trade trade deadline and basketball. Uh, what do you call it? Free agency is coming up in three and a half hours, so that's going to be exciting to see. What happens to Kyle is going to be interesting. Anywho, I want to I wanted to quickly touch on Chicago. Chicago's building like a team that was that that was like good like seven years ago. But just like how they're spending everything, it's just really interesting to see. I mean, I'm glad they got Marc Andre Fleury for nothing. Like, if you can get him for nothing, like you said, a Vesna Trophy winner, like this past season, like you do that in a heartbeat. But you just gotta bite seven million dollars. Yeah, it's just a really weird construction of a team. I don't know where they're going. Like, I, I I don't know if this if this is their version of competing. Uh, I'm so glad you brought up the Devils and them getting Dougie Hamilton. 63 million over seven years is a lot, but you know, it's probably going to work, be worth it for most of it. Is their goal of the future or their yeah. demon of the future? Sorry. Yeah. While they're letting, you know, their guy, their huge brothers kind of, you know, grow into their roles and, you know, probably making up for how bad PK has been. So, you know, <laughs> that's a, that's an albatross of a contract for sure. Not the worst, but up there. And Definitely. I just wanted to like quickly touch on Tampa too, because I feel like there's just like one guy in Tampa who's running all three other teams. Like it's just the same guy who's just making like the smartest possible decisions for the Rays, Buccaneers, and Lightning. Like they're all run so well that it's just like, and they're run like oddly too. Like like you said, like the Lightning are getting called cheaters. Tampa invested in a 43 year old quarterback and then built like an iconic defense around him and an iconic offensive line that keeps them upright. And then the Rays are just like, just like destroying people's minds with their moves that just always seem to work out. So it's like, what is in the air in Tampa? I swear, it's, it's crazy. Tampa Bay's, you know, I like it, man. To for Tampa Bay to pull off like, uh, to be a sports city in in so many different sports right now, mm-hmm. it uh, it it definitely puts a, a stain on big cities like Miami and and Fort Lauderdale and stuff like that. But Tampa. I don't know what's in the water around there, man, but it's just, it's nothing but professional. It's, it's <laughs> what they're doing down there is crazy. I, it's the no state tax. People want to play in Florida because there's no state tax. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, unfortunately that Tampa magic didn't really work with the Raptors, but you know, nope. them's the breaks. Mike, we want to thank you so much for having you on. This is a great conversation. Thank you for giving us an NHL primer, giving us getting us up to speed. Thanks for having me on, boys. Appreciate it. I was waiting for my invitation. Well, you finally <laughs> made it. You know, we've had we've had you, we've had Adam, we've had Alex. We gotta get Daniel on to kind of like complete like the complete hockey. That. Yeah, yeah, complete the two on one podcast like puzzle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, we definitely wanted to have you on. Like we said, we're very grateful to have you on. So thank you. Thanks for having me, boys. Much appreciated. All right, and that wraps up our three part series catching up on baseball, basketball, and hockey. As usual, I'm Donald Higney, always here with Trevor. Trevor, got any parting words? Um, Not really. Just want to thank Mike again for coming on. And uh, we'll be same place, same time uh, this next week. This this wraps up our, yeah, our, our series is done. After, I hope your lip feels better. <laughs> yeah, I hope, I hope it feels better too. Yeah. All I right. hope so too, man. It's, it's like, there's like two parts of it, bro. It's like I bit on it and it's like, i don't want to get into it it's just it's like separated i don't know man oh man uh, we'll watch it for next week maybe I, maybe i'll have to like give you like hand signs or something if i can't talk but it's uh yeah it, we'll monitor that just like we'll monitor these nhl free agency moves <laughs>
Yeah, check in next week for a, a lip update and, you know, updates to all things Toronto sports.